0: You know, this morning, um, I have this, <laughs> I, you know, every, every week, you know, sometimes you, you, you don't, maybe, you, I don't know how you think about how I, well, anyhow, I prepare my messages. <laughs> and um, I try not, I try and I very seldom ever repeat a message. So I've been here 31 years and I have piles of sermons that are this high just stacks of them. They're this high. I have two stacks. They're about this high of sermons and things that I've written over the 31 years. And I, I'm very seldom do I ever dig through the pile to find one. <laughs> uh, I try to always write something new, write a different perspective. And today, I found this, I found this outline and it's, it's an outline on uh, success. And whenever I read it and I thought about it, I said, you know, when we think of success, we, we often have misconceptions of what being successful is. And we, we think of, when I, think of when, you say, when I say success, what do you think of? Pardon? Wealth. Wealth. What else? Achieving. Do you think, um, me, I, when I think of success, I think of Joel Osteen. <laughs> you know, preacher, successful. Uh, I think of Billy Graham. You know, from from me, I would look at success, and I would think of you know things like that. Uh, wealth, we think of achievement. Uh, what else? Anyone else? Pardon? Happiness. Any other ideas? You know, being manager, being CEO, being uh, corporate person being right where you're at. I don't know, whatever. But success is a favorable or desired outcome. A favorable or desired outcome. That's why success is based upon what you think of as success. So sometimes I I think, you know, I should write a book. And I often start, I have lots of places that I've started. I have this one thing I carry around with me. and And I started probably about 15 years ago, writing in it. And there are some really good things in there. And then, of course, periods of years go by that I don't <laughs> write anything in there. And then I get this desire to write again. And it's like, and, you know, where does this come from? Where does this idea, you know, is it a, a fear of failure that keeps you from doing the things that you would want to do? So anyhow, today, I have the core elements, K-O-R-E, core elements of success. And I could have used... Um, our Sunday school lesson for this outline, but I, I didn't. The Sunday school lesson that we've been studying is the book of Esther. And it is a really good book that you can you can look at and see the providence of God. You can see the hand of God in, the, in, you know, in Esther's life and in the life of Israel and all the things that happened there. That is a great book to study and to, to look at. And we have one more week in that coming up. But success is a favorable desire... favorable or desired outcome, the attainment of a goal, the correct or desired results of an attempt. So you want to attempt. So in Joshua chapter 1, I want to read from verses 1 to 9 of Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, set, where, your foot, where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert uh, to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great Sea of the West... No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. You see, this idea of success, what is it it that he is saying here? What is the desired goal? The desired goal is to occupy the land that somebody else is occupying. That they are to go into a land that has been promised them and somebody else is already there but they have a problem their iniquity is full they have they have really ruined their land and ruined their life and their life is far from god and i gave this land to abraham before you know before they even had it <coughs> excuse me so anyhow moses gave you do not turn from your right to the left that you may be successful wherever you go in verse 8 this is the important do not let this book of the law depart from you from your mouth Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, look at when we think of success and we think of achievement, what are the things that come into mind? Terror, <laughs> fright, problems, You know, we think of achieving a goal, going towards a goal. Do you remember whenever the the children of Israel first sent spies into the promised land? uh, When Moses, you know, led them out of Israel, sent them into the promised land. They came back and they said, there's giants in the land. And we are grasshoppers. (laughs) We are grasshoppers in their sight. Uh, remember the old movie Kung Fu? <laughs> old grasshopper. <laughs> oh, you old grasshopper. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so many people think of themselves in light, and, and you see yourself in, in the, your big, the bigness of the problem and the smallness of you. You cannot be any lower than a grasshopper. <laughs> and so they didn't see God, they saw their difficulties. And when they saw their difficulties, they they magnified their difficulties and they shrunk themselves. So, verse 8. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. That's the Message Bible's translation of verse 8. Do not for a minute let this book of Revelation. Don't let God's law out of your mind. Think on the things that are lovely, that are pure of a good report. If there be any virtue, be any praise, think on these things. Um, Ponder and meditate on the book of the law, on the scriptures, day and night, making sure you practice everything that is written in it. Then you will get where you are going. I like that little phrase. If you meditate on the scriptures and pray about them you will find yourself getting where you are going. How many know where you're going? (laughs) Where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? So today we're looking at core. Core elements of success, and they are, and I'll just outline them, K-O-R-E. Core is knowledge, O is opportunity, R is risk, and E is excellence. So we can go home right now so we know it all, right? Not true. Knowledge. (laughs) Knowledge. So the first thing, if we are going to be successful, there is knowledge. And what are we going to be knowledge of? First of all is our knowledge of God. Do not allow the things of this word, the word of the law, to to exit the way that you think. If you're going to think correctly, we have to understand what the scriptures are telling us. And the scriptures are telling us that we're not to be afraid that you're not alone and that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So there is a revelation that comes to our hearts and minds through a knowledge of God. Wisdom, according to Solomon in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is a reverential understanding that God is with me. There is a reverential knowledge, not an arrogance. It is an assurance, a confidence that the Spirit of God is alongside of us to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be our very present help in time of trouble, that we have someone who is with us 24 7. Never so far as the way way is to be just near us. So we know the truth, know the truth of God's Word. You're not alone. Nothing can remove you from the presence of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, things to come, everything, anything, ever, no matter what, nothing can separate you from God. So in that knowledge, knowledge, you've got to know it. In that knowledge, we have what? We have a, an understanding that God is with me. I am with Him. Nothing can separate us. So, what knowledge is necessary for the area of your work? Okay, if you're going to be successful, what work are you in? What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go with your life? Most have jobs. Most of us have specific training. Zig Ziglar says um, um, that we should often, we should go to the automobile university. <laughs> how, many, how many hours a day, how much time a day do you spend in your, in your car? So go to the automobile university, go and rent books from the library, buy books on the library, and listen to them in your car. Listen to them, read them, because if you don't put something in your head, you're going to fill it with something. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to ask you what your head is full of. But, uh, so, many people go back to school. We go back to school. What is it? To learn about our specific field. So there has to be, in order for there to be success, there must be knowledge. Do you know, and I I thought this statement was extremely important. Do you know it will cost you more in the long run not to train yourself in your field of work than, than to begin now and educate yourself? If you don't do it, it's going to cost you more in the long run than it would to go back now and start knowledge. So it's time to educate ourselves. Uh, One man said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So we wanna work hard, we wanna have knowledge, knowledge of God, and that's why it's important to be in church and to read your scriptures and to read the Bible, because we've got to know the truth. And what happens when we know the truth? Set it free. What do you set free from? Well, I'm set free from my sins. Yes, but what else are we set free from? <laughs> Fears, anxieties, that I'm in this alone. I'm, you know, all the things that... So knowing the truth of God's word, knowledge. Knowing God in our minds and in our hearts. Knowing him. Knowing you, Lord. We sing that chorus, knowing you. All right, so knowledge is first. Second is opportunity. Jeremiah 29, 11. call Ruth and ask her where she's at. She's, this is her verse, you know. So, so I, know that, I know the thoughts that I, ha- I think towards you. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Success is an expected, arriving at an expected end. God has an expected end for us. Opportunity about that advertisement? What do you think of the advertisement for Hondas? I'm Mr. Opportunity, and I'm knocking. <laughs> you ever see that one? Are you with me? Yes? Okay. Raise your, go like this if you're here. Okay, the rest of you have been raptured. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, you're still here. <clears throat> all right, good. So, Opportunity... What is God? What is God's expected end? Go back to Joshua one eight. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God wants us to have our way to be prosperous and have good success. Now I'm not talking about that we're all going to be filthy rich and running in money. You know, I, I mean that that you know that can happen. But that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at how we're going to find success, which is the goal of the outcome, the outcome of what we are expecting to become. If you believe that you're going to succeed, you're right. If you believe you're going to fail, you're right. <laughs> Think about it when you're, you're in school. Some of you were in school, okay? If you believe you're going to fail the test, do you study? <laughs> What's that? You don't study, you begin with. That's what I thought. Remind me of my son. <laughs> David, he was too... David, David you know, talk about two different kids, David and Rachel, okay? Rachel was the student. Rachel had to study. I mean, she was a BC student. She had to study. She studied every day. She studied every night. She studied constantly, BC student. When she went to college, and she had one teacher, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> if he wasn't, I would go talk to him. He told her, you are not college material. You should not go to college. I told my daughter. If I, he was here. I would pray for him intently, because when Rachel got in school, she wanted to always work with special needs children. Since she was in second or third grade, she wanted to work with special needs children. She knew that from second grade, she wanted to be a special need, work with special needs children. Uh, Nisi Bonnets, anybody know Nisi? Nisi Bonnets and her were in the same class, and Nisi was and her were best friends. And Nisi 's a special needs child. And all through grade school and high school, Rachel and Nisi were good friends. And whenever Rachel was a cheerleader, Nisi was there with her mom being the cheerleading and the whole thing. And Nisi, even whenever Rachel got married, she went, Nisi went to her mother and said, Rachel's getting married. Rachel's getting married. <laughs> and she said, oh no, Nisi, that's not true. Oh yeah, Rachel's getting married. She knew all that. But anyhow, when Rachel went to school she was she graduated with a 3.6, 3.98 average grade point average somebody who's not college material she found her niche her niche was special needs children and she right and she's been asked to head the entire mechanicsburg school district on handling special needs children and one teacher said you're not college material you see it isn't what people tell you it's what you believe See, I can can stand here and you say, We talk about responsibility, we talk about success. It's what you believe. And, you know, when I look at it, what are the beliefs that God imparts in your heart? It isn't that I'm going to be rich and I'm going to stand on people's throats and I'm going to be this. Forget that. That's not a godly thought, that's not godly principles. Godly principles are meditating on the Word of God. Know what the Word of God says to love and to serve and to have a purpose and that we are here. We are bringing the body of Christ, the life of Christ and the love of God. We're bringing it into people's lives. We are the hand of God extended to our communities, extended to people around us. And if we see how we can extend God's grace and God's mercy through what we do, God is going to birth a dream in us that we can achieve it. David, I was saying about him in school, David was, um, maybe I have even said this, David was very, he's very bright. Not because he's my son, he's Rhonda's son. That's why he's very bright. And uh, <laughs> he got that genetic dream gene, gene going there. But uh, he's very bright and he would go to class and he'd go to college and he'd study a first semester, first test and get an A. Then he would show up a class every once in a while, and at the end he'd figure out what he needed to do to get a C. <laughs> and he would study and he'd get an A or whatever on that class, the final exam, so he'd come out with a C. I said, I'm passing, Dad. I said, it's not the point, you know? He was a very thorough kid. It took him six years to complete the four-year program. <laughs> he didn't do a six-year program in four years, he did a four-year program in six years. That's not a good thing. But when he settled down, when he got his niche, when he decided he was going to graduate with uh, biblical studies and art, what a terrible major, double major, he aced it. He had a, I mean, he did perfect. In his graduate work, uh, you know, with Eastern University, he aced everything. They said, you've got to go on for your doctorate. (laughs) But what the idea is that, Whenever we look at things, if we don't have a dream birthed inside of us and we don't put it together and we start allowing other people's influences and things to be upon us, it's not part of who we are. Excellence is, you know, that's the last one. Excellence is something we must see within our hearts and minds. And it's not something that, you know, excellence is something we must desire to have in our life, but we're not there yet. We're at opportunity, and opportunity is knocking. Many, many people say the reason that I am not successful is I've never had the opportunity. <sighs> never had the opportunity. Perhaps it's true. But what does opportunity look like? That's where we have our biggest problem. Because we will look at problems and not see the opportunity. We will look at difficulties. We will look at closed doors. We will look at the way things don't work. When, um, what was it, uh, Edison, when he discovered the light bulb? You know, he had 1800, re- had 1800 ways that he knew that a light bulb wouldn't work. He had 1800 ways that he knew that a light bulb wouldn't work. He didn't have 1800 failures, he had 1800 ways that he knew that a light bulb wouldn't work. And I think around somewhere around 2000 he figured it out. He did, you know, so we we have this way of this perspective, and being able to see opportunities is an attitude. It's an attitude, it's a perspective. And you know, and I have blown many opportunities because of my inability to see beyond the obstacles. Not being able to see obstacles as opportunities, not being able to see the other side of it, not being able to see through it, not being able to, to look at it in a way that can transform it from a difficulty to an opportunity. And this is where we find that the Spirit of God God doesn't have difficulties. You see, He doesn't have a difficulty with us. He has grace and mercy and love. He doesn't look at your failures. He looks at His forgiveness. He doesn't look at how, we've, how bad we've done. He looks at what He created us for and that we can still get there. And that we, and we have to look at our lives and say that God is in my life. God has changed me for a reason. And the reason is greater than me. Doe was talking about that in Sunday school. It's not about us. It's about God working through us to take care of the people around us and his kingdom. And the Esther was taking care of her entire nation. So... Being able to see opportunities is an attitude. We're not looking for one opportunity. We are looking at every obstacle as opportunities. You see, the circumstances, that we see circumstances as opportunities is not and not problems. What does the word of God tell us? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a way of turning things around. Are we willing to allow him to work through us to see the other side? You see, if you believe there is nothing good out there, you'll find it. You'll find nothing good. If you believe that people are to blame for where you're at in your life, you are right. They probably are. But there is never a failure problem, there is only an idea problem. And the scripture, meditating on the word of God, what is it? Gives us hope. Gives us a divine perspective that is beyond our sight. Wisdom. Now, there are some ideas that you should just let in the shower. Okay? (laughs) Okay? You know, there are some ideas that, you know, these are really stupid and you should just let them go. I mean, that's being wise, okay? Now, you know, how many have had really stupid ideas? All right, you know, we know some of them are stupid. I mean, just out not all you got to do is look at some people, you know, but some people aren't afraid to act on stupidity, (laughs) you know, they excel in it, but... You know, but wisdom is knowing what is wise and what isn't and how to work it and all things like that. But some ideas are your future. Some ideas are things that God wants to birth in your heart and they just won't go away. I've had some great ideas and I didn't act on them. You know, one of my. This is one of the things, you know, remember back when Martha Stewart and everything fell apart for Martha Stewart? Okay? Okay, fell all apart. Her her stock went through the floor, fell out. I was just thinking about that and heard on the news, and I got this thought. You should go invest in that company. I mean, I don't have any money, you know. (laughs) I don't have to borrow to invest and all that kind of stuff. But you should go invest in that company. And my first thought was, well, you know, if I do that, I could lose my money. But it wouldn't go away. And I didn't do it. And her stock went from the bottom <laughs> through the ceiling. And I say, God, give me another one. I'll, I'll do it this time. <laughs> give me another idea. I'll do it this time. I, I'll listen. I learned my lesson. <laughs> it's like nothing. You know, it doesn't come back. It doesn't. It's not there. So you see, there are times that God speaks to us and we don't listen. I don't know what happens. Sometimes we're just dumb. Okay, but we don't pay attention. But what is God, some of the things that God tells us isn't always, it's to deal with who we are as a person. Sometimes they are very spiritual things. Sometimes they are very influential things. Sometimes they're just bringing peace to a person's life. Take inventory of who you are. We have to take an inventory. You see, you have a lot of things to give. If I ask you to write on a sheet of paper, write down all the good things about your life, and on on the other side of it, write down all the bad things, which side do you think you would fill up? (laughs) I know which side you'd fill up. The bad part. Because we're so used to looking at the negative and, we're look, and the bad things about and the failures and all this other stuff. But who doesn't have them? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He who is without failure, let him, you know, let, you know, it isn't, you know get rid of it, you know, it's there. Get forgiven of it. Deal with it in a healing way and look at the good things in your life. The pot, your, you will build your life on your strengths. You will build your life on your strengths, not on your weaknesses. You can spend your entire life trying to take your weaknesses up four or five notches and you'll still be average. But if you take your strengths and build them, you'll be superior. Because no one has your fingerprint, no one has your thoughts. No one has your abilities. And no one has the exact strengths the way that you do. Success. Um, In Matthew 25, I will try and finish this this morning. But Matthew 25, verses 14 to 18, it says... This is the story of the talents. To one, the guy. Okay, it's like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To the one, he gave five thousand dollars. To another, two thousand. To the third, one thousand. Depending on their abilities. Everybody's not the same. Everyone doesn't have the same abilities. Everyone doesn't have the giftings of that you know. Like, you know the genius. We're not, I'm, I'm not Einstein, you know? And there are very few of us are Einsteins, okay? Very few, there's only been one. There's only one Joel Olstein. there's only one Billy Graham, there's only one. And so God has a special talent place for each of us in the body of Christ. That's why he calls it the body of Christ. Because if we take one part of our body away, it the rest of the body suffers. So everyone has a function within the body of Christ, but it's not all the same. We're all different, and so what we do is we love one another. As Christ has loved us. We forgive one another as we have been forgiven. There is a meditation on the word of God and an understanding of the word of God, a knowledge of God's word that keeps us on this field of understanding and of a heart relationship with God and with people. And on that relationship, then we see how God is blessing us. Don't worry about the person who's got 5,000 or the person who's got 2,000 Worry about the person who has what your giftings are. Take care of you and God will bless you. So we know in the story of the thousand, the guy who had 5,000, what happened to him? What's that? He doubled it. What about the guy who had 2,000? He doubled it. What about the guy who had 1,000? I buried it. <laughs> I know that you are a hard master. You know, you a foolish person? What do you think about burying what you've got? Why would you ever bury what you have? Why would you ever bury your talents? Because somebody said I might lose them. <laughs> well, you already did lose them, you buried them. So you take who you are, you take what you are, and you use it and you, you know, go to the automobile university. <laughs> Read books, learn, grow your knowledge, grow your understanding. Take who you are. What opportunities do you have right now? What opportunities lie within your hands? I didn't say difficulties. I said opportunities. Because sometimes opportunities are disguised as difficulties. (laughs) I was going to wear a costume, you know, one of my illustrations. I was going to wear a costume, okay? And behind the costume, you sat, and I had to say, who am I? Oh, pastor, that's just you all dressed up in another costume. Okay, you got the story? How many times are opportunities dressed up in costume? And sometimes the enemy of our soul Disguises tries to disguise God's blessing in your life. One thing is don't pray for patience because this will take longer than it needs to. That's a joke. <laughs> what do you mean don't pray for patience? So, who around you needs what you have? Take your strengths, meet their needs, invest your life in others. So there is knowledge, there is opportunity, and there is risk. Okay, I got two more to do in 10 minutes, okay? Maybe five. Two more to do. All right, what is the risk? Risk. What do you think the scripture is there? Matthew 14, 23 to 33. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. (laughs) Get out of the boat there's a risk involved in getting out of the boat. There are a number of people who will stand behind and say, don't do it, Peter. No one can walk on water but Jesus, and you're not Jesus. (laughs) It's not safe out there. Peter is the only disciple to walk on water, all the others are safe in the boat. But you remember what the key to risk is? Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Okay? Pray about your decisions. Ask God for guidance. Jesus, if it's really you, And these are your desires that you're placing in my heart and my mind. Let me know. Bid me come. If this is just some dumb idea I need to let go down the shower, let it go. But if this is your idea, Lord, bid me come. (sighs) See, Everything has a risk. Everything. But you know, I like to sing the old ballad of the church. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to run away. It's just too serious. No, it isn't a gamble. <laughs> it isn't a gamble. Whenever we take risk, it's not a gamble. Because when God leads us, we may run into a dead end, but it's at that dead end we'll find the open door to the left or to the right. You see, Las Vegas is built on people's losses. Every place there's a casino, it's built on people's losses. Our walk with God is built upon our security and our relationship with Jesus Christ that will last in eternity. This isn't a gamble. This is faith and an understanding. You see, faith is realistic. Faith understands the worst case scenarios. Faith will calculate the risk and faith will calculate and prepare fully for what is ahead. What is ahead? Count the cost, know what's going to happen if you do it and know what's going to happen if you don't. That's faith. Faith isn't blindness. Faith is a substance of hope for, things hoped for. Faith is based upon a reality that there is a plan and a purpose for my life. There is, a, there, is a, there is something that God wants to do in my life and faith is based on that. And upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ, I stand. It's not sinking sand. And fear is not part of faith. Faith I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And in that strength, I have understanding, I have calculation, I know what I'm seeking, I know what I'm doing, and I know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but faith says I can. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear will cause you to stumble and fall and stay down when you fall. And the last one is knowledge, opportunity, risk, What is it? excellence, striving for excellence is what sets us apart. If you imagine God saying, "Eh <laughs> so what if we leave out a hand? <laughs> so what if we put out, leave out this part of our creation? So what if this He doesn't have God is you know stri- it is an excellent God is the most most excellent adventure uh, <laughs> God has excellence and strives for excellence. Second um, Peter one five. By His divine power, the Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of the one who called us by His own honor and glory. Second Peter one five. This is verses three leading up to that. Verse five. This is why most. This is why you must make every effort. To add moral excellence to your faith. And to moral excellence, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Self-control, endurance. And to endurance, godliness. And to godliness, affection for others. And to affection for others, love. If all these are yours and they are growing in you, they'll keep you from becoming inactive and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Cultivate an attitude of excellence. Define, define what excellence looks like. You see, I mean, what does excellence look like to you? Sometimes we, miss, we misunderstand excellence as perfection. Perfection, and, and, and the idea of perfection in the scripture is not, without, is not th- that something was without flaw. We think of perfection as that which is without flaw. The, the idea of, 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 of excellence in the scripture, perfection in the scripture, is that whatever God is using is perfectly suited for the task. That's why you are perfect in the sight of God. Why? Because you are forgiven, you are endowed with talents, And you are perfectly suited for the investment of your talents to bring about a return. Therefore, we should do it with excellence. We should do it with a a full-hearted commitment that we want to do what we do and we do it in an excellent manner. And and the last of this is when we, as, as God's children, you walk around with an anointing of God. Before you bump into somebody, (laughs) your atmosphere goes before you. Before you come in contact with someone, the Spirit of God is there ahead of you. You have an anointing upon your life that makes you different than any and than all non-believers. Every Christian, every believer has a presence of God about them that makes them different. And it is the presence of God around us that calls for us to have the spirit of success. And success is not the... Is the success is a favorable desire or outcome. God wants to work everything in your life out to a divine good, so that the Spirit of God, the love of God, purpose of God, the, the plan of God will be fulfilled in your life and the lives of those around you. so it is not just about me, it is about how that I, in the kingdom of God, am walking around with the presence of God, and how that some people are going to be extremely irritated, and some people are going to be drawn to God because of your spirit. Because it's not really my spirit, it's the spirit of Christ in me. And that gives me knowledge, opportunity, risk, and excellence. Because God is about changing the world with my talents, <laughs> your talents. Amen. Father, how can we say thanks for the things that you have done for us? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for us the voices of a million angels could not express our gratitude. All that I am, all that I ever hoped to be, I owe it all to you. To God, be the glory for the things He has done. Amen? God bless you. (laughs) Ha, <laughs> ha,